Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Hello, David. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Hey, I am building a new house in Hearst, and I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, okay. Number one, number one, we put the heating and air conditioning unit up in the attic with all of the duct work, and that is an unconditioned space with heat pouring in in our wonderful Texas summers. I was just wondering your thoughts on that. I know those ducts usually are flex ducts. They've got a little bit of insulation, a little bit of thermal barrier on them. But I was just wondering, is there a better way to do it that's cost-effective? No. Okay, that was it, simple. That was a real simple answer. Yeah, uh, it, the the ductwork now code calls for an R eight on the insulation and that the uh, basically radiant barrier around it. Uh, but the systems are designed to be in that hot space, so it's it's really not a problem at all. All right, thank you so much. You have a fantastic Saturday afternoon. You as well. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, they they've tried doing ductwork different ways, and you know. If you go back, uh, oh gosh, when did they do it? I guess late 50s, early 60s, I think mostly in the late 50s. Uh, they actually were putting ductwork under the foundations. And good concept. Didn't work very well. Uh, as as they aged, moisture would go through the concrete, just like it does. Got into the ductwork, filled them with water and stuff. It, it was just a not a good thing. And there's still a lot of houses that have it. And I know you're going to say, well, that's before all the houses had air conditioning. They ran the heating ducts that way because in the northern states, they have basements and they run all their duct work down in the basement under the home and the heat comes up from underneath. And that's a better application. And, and here's the whole reason why. Heat rises. So you in you send the heat in from the bottom and let it rise from the top. Air conditioning is just the opposite, and that's what we're dependent on. Cool air drops down, so you inject it into the room in the top and let it settle down, and so it circulates all the air better, and just it, it gives you uh, more even temperatures, and just all around works better, and it's a heck of a lot less expensive installing it in the attic that way than it is trying to go underneath, even though you can put it in before it's built. And with all the technology nowadays, I am sure we could build ductwork under the ground that way now and not have to worry about it. But why? It, it, do, it does really well up in the attics. And, you know, a lot, a lot of what they're trying to do with foam insulation and stuff is to make it where the attic is heated and cooled with it. You're just adding the square footage. Now, it does it work? Absolutely. But the expense of doing it is hard to offset because foam insulation is very expensive. And so, hence, we go back to what I talk about a lot. Foam the walls because you got limited space, fiberglass in the attic, and the air, air conditioning system up in the attic, don't worry about it. It was built to be in those temperatures. Hello, Steve. Hey, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. How about you? Doing well. Hey, my wife and I picked up a, a lake property, and uh, it's got a secondary AC unit upstairs, and the thermostat is on a wall that is not too well insulated. 
so it's picking up the temperature off that wall and, and staying on. Would I be better off getting a uh, remote thermostat, or is there something I can place behind that thermostat that really lets it uh, detect room temperature versus wall temperature? And is it an it's an outside wall, I guess? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, they're not supposed to put them on an outside wall. Thermostats are supposed yeah, to be on no. an interior wall <laughs> for that very reason. Uh, so the wires could be run to a different location, or you can do just like you said and, and get a remote, but you're still going to have to remove the sensor somewhere. Now, some of the some of the remotes, the sensor is in the thermos in the the uh, remote itself. Others, they put a sensor somewhere in order to detect what the temperatures are. Okay. So, uh, probably honestly, if it was mine, I would probably move the thermostat to an interior wall if I could. Well, that's what we'll probably do. Thank you very much. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, why why wouldn't you just use the uh, remote thermostat? There's other problems when you start using these wireless remote thermostats. They do work, don't get me wrong, but a lake house, you're not there all the time. You want something that's totally reliable without somebody having to check it, and that's a wired-in thermostat. Let's head to Louisville, and Al, welcome. How can I help you? So I got a, thanks, Jim. I've got a, um, I should say we built a house about 18 years ago, and rather than have my downspouts uh, dump water onto my neighbors, I trenched in four-inch black corrugated pipe and to take the water from the downspouts out to the street. It's about 100 feet. And uh, I think what has happened over time, even though I put, first I put those guards in the downspouts, you know, they're kind of a round guard. But right. now I actually have the gutters, uh, I have the gutters uh, uh, sealed, if you will. Uh, but over time, I think sediment has built up in that four-inch pipe, and now it's it's backing up. Is there a way to like? Uh, is, is there somebody out there that can like clean that out? Or I, I'm hoping I don't have to dig it all up. All right, I tell you what, I got to take a real quick break because of that music. I kind of went real long on that last segment, but sure. hang on. Yeah. And yes, there is some things you can do with that. We'll be right back. Thank you. We left. I was talking with uh, Al in Louisville, and Al. So you got the black corrugated pipe, and you know, truthfully, what they do is, as that's in the ground and the soils expand and contract, it tends to get high and low spots in it as well, and so it does just like you said. It, it starts getting sediment in it. You cannot run a snake through that, but you can run a hydro blast line through it, which is basically a head that is attached to like a pressure washer. And so it just blows the material out. They use them for uh, getting grease out of pipes and stuff as well to clean them out. And that will clean that line out and get it flowing again. But you can expect those highs and lows will sediment in again later and probably have to be done again. But uh, most plumbing companies that had a, have a hydroblast machine can do that for you. Fantastic. Okay. That's much appreciated. I was certainly hoping I didn't have to dig up 100 feet and then try to replace it or something. Yeah. So I wish I'd have went with uh, like PVC or something. But You know, I, I do a lot of drainage work like that. And yeah, I use the, the PVC on 
everything for that very reason because it's much easier to keep clean and and not have to worry about that. Very good. Okay, well, I appreciate it. I love your show, Jim. Appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Okay, this came from Stephen in Lorena asking about soaker hoses. And I know a lot of people have been asking about soaker hoses just because it's been so hot and dry. So the message is, I know I need soaker hoses, but have questions with big covered porches. Front porch is about 8 feet deep from yard to front door, probably 35 feet long. Do I run the soaker hose around the porch foundation? Yes, you do. Run it around it just as though that's part of the house foundation. Still keep the soaker hose 12 to 18 inches away from it. Uh, Bury it, you know, a couple inches in the ground. That keeps you from losing a lot of water to evaporation. Uh, And that'll maintain the porch then as well because the porch will act as a natural moisture barrier to keep the sun from soaking up moisture out of the soil. So it'll migrate back to the house like you want it. Now, back porch is at least as long but is made of man-made planks like a deck and is also covered by roof. Do I try to tunnel underneath that porch under the decking to run soaker hose along the back side of the house. No, don't do that. You don't need to go through all that effort. Run the soaker hose around it, same as you would the front porch, uh, because all you're trying to do is keep that moist ring around the home. And again, that porch will keep the sun from taking the moisture out of the soil. Now, that's not to say if you got trees around that they won't grow in there, but you know, as far as tree roots, but as far as keeping the the sun from taking all the moisture, that deck will do just fine. Uh, anytime you're putting in soaker hoses and stuff like that to protect your foundation, keep in mind the trees, if they find that moisture, will send more roots in that direction. And that's where a root barrier would come into play. So, you know, that will sever the roots and keep them from coming towards the house, which also would cause you a foundation issue. So hopefully that'll take care of you, though, and uh, you don't have to worry about those tree roots. Edward, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Hey, I have a question. I bought a home that was a model, Mm -hmm. and it has like a four-ton AC unit. It's about 3,500 square feet, and... When it gets real hot outside, the AC won't go down below 96. I mean, uh, 80, uh, 76. It, okay. It just struggles all day. And I was just wondering how I could find out if it's undersized for the home or if just not and, running and properly. How many square foot house did you say it was? It's about 3,500 square feet. Um, and it's a four ton? Yes, sir. One story or two? It's a one and a half, just a game room upstairs with a bathroom. It's undersized. It is undersized? Yeah, I don't even have to run the calculations on that one. Okay. Uh, just, uh, we're trying to figure out what we need to do and trying to figure out what the, the builder's been out several times to work on it and fix it, but um, it still just doesn't function like it needs to. Yeah, it, it is slightly undersized. Uh, you probably needed at least a 5, and I'm not even sure a 5. Uh, we. I would have to do the load calculations and everything to see if it needs larger than a five, but I can I can tell you four is going to be undersized. Now, talk to the builder. This is a new home I'm taking. 
It's, it's a model home. It was built in 15, but I bought it back in March, brand new. Okay. I'm the first owner. So talk with the builder and see if if uh, if they'll work with you on something because I'm betting with that upstairs room, you could probably put a second unit, one for just upstairs, and then take all the AC and use the four-ton unit downstairs, and you might be able to get it balanced out uh, in order to make the house a lot more comfortable. Now we'd okay, have to yeah, again. Think... We'd have to run all the load calculations and duct work sizes and all that to to know for sure. But now, uh, y'all just do that? off the top of Did my head, what? I think that would help. Okay. So what um, what number should I call to get y'all to set up? Call us at seven one three. Four seven three, seven one five six. Seven one five six. Yep, and uh, yeah, we can come out and take a look and and see uh, what it's going to take to get it going. Uh, on on oh. that particular case, you know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm going to tell you, ask for one of two guys to come out, either uh, Jay or Broderick. Jay or Broderick. Yeah. In fact, Broderick okay. would probably be the guy to come out because it sounds like your system is working. It's just not it, – it's going to be more in a square footage issue. So, Yeah, it, it works, and you know, most of the time it's real cold in the house. We said it's like 72, 73, and it, it'll hold it, but on the hot days, it yeah. just stays at 76, even 77, and yeah, never no. comes down until nighttime. Yeah, it's a, it's a sizing issue then. Okay, perfect. Okay, well, I'll, I'll call and see if I can get Broderick to come out then. All right. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Edward. You take care. Thanks. Oh, you too. Bye-bye. Brian, you doing all right today? Yes, sir. I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Uh, my question is related to flooring. Uh, I have a, I bought a, I purchased a 1960s build house in the uh, Memorial area. The downstairs floor was built up on screeds. And when they, uh, I, I changed out all the flooring on the ground floor. And uh, I asked the contractor to make sure that the screeds and all the wood was was uh, uh, nailed down or glued down properly. But it seems that in a lot of places, the the, the boards underneath have become loose, and there's uh, loud uh, creaking sounds whenever the wood moves. The flooring was very expensive. I don't want to have to uh, pull it all back up and have them redo all the screeds and the boards. Is there any way around? pulling up the floor at this point not based on what you just described to me but let me ask you a couple quick questions it's a it's a concrete in parts it is uh yeah yes it's it's a concrete slab yes and then the screeds that went on top of it uh is that just some two by fours that are on their side or are they standing up uh on end what they're they're laying flat okay so they basically did it like we used to do floors back in the 50s and 60s, putting in wood floors. They put those down, and then the, the floor goes across them. When we left, I was talking with Brian, and uh, we were talking about wood screed floors. And the old way of doing it was they would put hot tar down, lay the wood screeds down into the tar, and that adhered them to the floor and sealed the concrete so moisture didn't come up. Where we're running into a lot of problems with newer wood floors is they're no longer putting the sealer down. They're not using the hot tar. And so they're adhering the, the two by fours to the wood, I mean, to, to the concrete floor. Moisture comes up. The wood is expanding and contracting with temperature and moisture changes, and it creaks a lot. 
and that is part of just the the uh, charm of having wood floors is they are going to creak and pop and make noise. Is there a way to stop them? Honestly, not really. Once that floor is in, unless you're willing to take it out and redo it, there's not going to be a real way to stop that noise. Uh, so I, I would say that you're probably going to have to somewhat live with it. The other cautionary thing I want to pass on that we're seeing a lot of lately, when floors get refinished, they come in and put a polyurethane coat over the top of the floor. You're now sealing it where the air conditioning system is no longer taking moisture out. So it's sealed to the underside and these floors start cupping because there's moisture coming up through the concrete. The old way actually worked better than what we're doing with all our modern chemicals and stuff. So uh, just a, a little tidbit. I typically recommend on wood floors in Houston, Texas, and well, actually in all over Texas, because we do have such heavy rainfall years that you put floating floors in with a vapor barrier under them in order to keep the moisture from affecting those floors. Uh, you'll, you'll find much better luck. Now, if you're up on a, on a you know, block and base, pier and beam or something, you can nail them down. But on concrete, get that vapor barrier in there. Dallas, how are you today? I'm doing well, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. My, my question, I have a vanity in my bathroom with two sinks, and the, the, uh, the top is made of granite. Okay. And I've noticed the last couple of years, I have a fine dusting of like a gray dust that's covering everything underneath the, uh, you know, underneath the cabinet. And, and in the top drawers of the vanity, I will open them up and like at the back, if there's a couple of tubes, say a toothpaste that I haven't gotten to yet, they'll have yep. a fine dusting of this gray white dust on them. Okay. And I kind of got the impression it's coming from the underside of the granite on top. Is that have you ever heard of anything like this? Well, and it very well may be uh how old is this? Well, the house is 10 years old. Okay. And I seem to have noticed I've been in it for about 10 years and I seem to have noticed it more in the last couple of years. In fact, uh, about you know, 6 months ago I took everything out of the cabinets, cleaned it up and took a sponge and cleaned all of the underside of yep. the uh, the granite, and it got a bunch of you know gray dust off of it. And I thought yep. to myself, well, maybe there's some sort of a fungus growing in the stone or something. Anyway, no, I got it all it, cleaned up, put everything back in there, and I just pulled out a can of, uh, uh, I got a gallon of Clorox bleach that's been, that I put in there after I cleaned it up. Well, now there's a, there's a fine dusting that you can see on either side yep. of the handle where it fell down on it. But, you know, and it's kind of a gray, whitish dust, and I'm I'm perplexed. I don't know where it's coming from. If you from. look at the underside of that granite, there okay. a lot of times, uh, depending on the piece of granite, is a coating that they put on it. And it sounds like your coating may be deteriorating and, and turning to dust. Um, okay. It's almost like Could a I fiberglass-type coating that they put on. Could I paint it with some sort of latex paint or something to keep keep it from thought you know you know as a barrier? That's a darn good question. I hadn't been asked that one before. You came up with something new. Uh, 
Well, I thought either paint or maybe varnish underside, you know, to keep whatever is forming from yeah. dropping down. Well, here's the, here's the issue with granite. Granite is very porous, and moisture okay. will go through it. And okay. I, I'm kind of wondering if that may be what's not causing it, 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 that the moisture going through the granite is affecting the coating that's on the bottom side. Uh, okay. And so if you seal it, my concern is that it would just blister off. But I'm I'm trying to think. I can't think of any reason not to try it. Uh, so, yeah, I would say why not. Okay. Have you heard of this problem before? I, truthfully, I haven't had anybody call or ask about it, but I have seen okay. the materials when the, when the granite's being installed and have looked at it myself and said, that's going to that's gonna deteriorate and turn to dust over time. They yeah. put it on there to strengthen the granite a little bit, mostly for transportation purposes. Okay. okay. To, to keep it from cracking. And, and so... Uh, yeah, I, I I know what you're, you're. It's not a dark gray. It's kind of a light gray material. Yeah, it kind yep. of like has the consistency of flour. Kind yep, of. yep, and that's well, exactly what it is. So, Patrick, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you, Jim. I uh, I had kind of a follow up question to uh, to a caller's uh, the conversation you're having a caller a couple of callers ago with the primary and secondary drain lines on NAC system. Yeah. Uh, my my question is, if there is water that's draining into the pan below below a unit, say in the attic, and and that pan is connected to a drain line that runs to the outside of the house, is that the secondary drain line, or is yes. that just a drain line for that pan? No, that is the secondary drain line. That pan underneath is the backup pan if the primary inside the unit plugs up and starts overflowing and that water from that primary drain line just kind of drains out of the unit and and catches in that pan it's not a i mean if i guess my my follow-up question would be if there's water just kind of dripping from the bottom of the unit could that be something other than a primary drain line clog or could that mm. be an indication of something else as well no, it, it, it is an issue with the primary drain line uh the okay. primary drain line handles all the moisture that, that the unit is taking out of the air. And if that line plugs, that's when it'll start overflowing into that secondary that's under the unit. Okay. And if the water coming out of the side of the house or if it's been dripping on the side of the house and kind of looks orange and discolored or anything, is that is that an indication of anything or is that just the color of the the rust from the pan or yeah, that's that's just a an indication that it's been doing it for a while gotcha and okay. typically in most cases nowadays the primary is draining into a sink like in the in a guest bathroom or someplace like that uh right and the and the secondary will normally drain where you can see it through a window or above a door something like that um now in some cases cities in their infinite wisdom are having ac guys put in a gravel base and draining water into that again next to the foundation this is something that was done away with years ago i mean they used to drain them that way in the 60s 
and they did away with it because it keeps a wet spot next to the foundation and it can cause a foundation problem and for some reason some cities are starting to bring it back and I hate to say this. I'm going to have to start getting into arguments with some of these cities who are doing this because they're creating problems for homeowners. It needs to drain into the drain system and just leave the secondary drain going outside where people can see it. Okay. Very good. That's all I have. All right. You take care. Thank you. Ted to Rocheran. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Jim. How are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. How about you? Not too bad, not too bad. Just enjoying the last day before the work week starts. So i got a question uh, regarding return airflow on air conditioning system. Yeah. Uh, I've got one room that's a little warmer in my house. It, it is the furthest room plumbed from the uh, air handler, but and the, re- the main return air is just outside the door of this room. Okay. But I'm, I'm just not getting enough, uh, an, enough air movement in that room. Okay. So, is it would it be wise to add another return air in that room? Well, the first thing to check is what size duct is run to it, and make sure it doesn't have a damper on it that's maybe partially closed. That's correct, uh, and it does not. Okay, if it doesn't, uh, the second thing then is to make sure that it's got the right size duct, because a lot of times they undersize it, and by simply increasing the size of the duct you would have better airflow. But, yes, you can always add another vent in the room with a second duct to get more air going that way as well. I see. Okay. And so that, the, that would be that would be another, air, another return duct and not another supply. Another supply going into the room is what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so don't, don't add another uh, return air. No. No. Add, add another air that blows air into the room. Now, right. one cautionary note, don't let them tee off of the existing line that's already there because if it's exactly. the wrong size to begin with, they got to take that line all the way back to the plenum box. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate your help. Now, one other thing that you, you ought to have looked at prior to doing that is – they could do what's called balancing the system, and that's where they do choke down air going into other parts of the house in order to push more air through that duct into that existing room. And that's that really needs to be done on almost every house at some point in time to get it balanced out properly. But it still goes back sure. to they got to make sure that it's got the right size duct line first. Do, uh, do they still use a, an airflow meter to do that, or... Or is there just kind of a rule of thumb? Well, they they can do it with an airflow meter, but uh, basically you're you're just changing the airflow until it it gets into a comfort zone. What you're looking for more than than the airflow meter is to because the amount of air that say a ten by ten room needs versus a fifteen by twenty room, the airflow is not going to give you that. It's just, it's realistically the comfort of the room that you got to deal with. Rocky, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a longtime listener, and this has had the first opportunity. I have a question. Um, I, I, there was a storm a while back, and the tree crashed on my roof. And, I, and the insurance company came out and wrote a check and 
In there, they had uh, to replace the three-quarter inch plywood as the uh, roof decking because uh -huh. that's what I had on there before. Well, the roofer is putting on the roofing contractor is putting on a seven sixteenths OSB, and he says it's just as good and and the same. You know, it costs the same amount, and I thought that can't be. Uh, because I went to Home Depot, and, you know, there's a that like $10 a sheet difference yeah. in price. Yeah, um, they, they do so, not cost the same. Pardon me? Yeah, they do not cost the same. The plywood does cost more. But the plywood, is it better? In my opinion, yes. And here's okay. the difference on them. When you use the chipboard and it gets wet the 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 edges can start curling up a little bit uh now if your roof is doing its job it should stay dry uh but it's typically before they get the roofing on that it can get wet and curl the edges a little bit beyond that you know it's really all just little chips of wood that are glued together with plywood it's layers of wood that is put on and so it is actually harder to penetrate through those layers of plywood than it is through the chipboard. Okay, so the insurance company said that that's a matter that I have to dispute with the builder that I contracted, the roofer. Correct. But they did say that you should get a, a release when they're done, that they're not going to put any claims. Uh, again, I guess it's a, a mechanics lien or something. Is Correct. there a document that can basically just say, look, you've got paid, uh, and I, I just don't trust these people anymore. Uh, there is standard uh, Texas release forms. You can actually go online even and get a copy. Uh, but if, if you can't find one online, by all means, feel free to call my office, and uh, we'd be more than happy to send you a, a copy of a release form. Uh, yeah. It's just okay, a, it's a, just a standard I want to say, as I said, I, I was listen I've been listening for years. You're an absolute treasure um, and such a great resource for people to get, you know, build a knowledge base so that they can make fundamentally good decisions about home improvement. You're just outstanding, and I appreciate it, and I'm sure a lot of other people do as well. Well, Rocky, I sure appreciate that. You know, I went to dinner with my wife last night, and, and she was uh, talking to me uh, about something. I'm wanting to learn. I'm learning to fly. And I'm kind of talking back and forth with her about getting an airplane. And she says, you don't need an airplane to, to stroke your ego. Rocky, you just took care of stroking my ego for me. Well, I'm a retired pilot, and I can tell you something that you should remember. There are bold pilots, and there are old pilots, <laughs> but there are no old, bold pilots. Oh, yeah. I, 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 you know, since you're a pilot, I'm going to tell you a real quick story. As, as I started learning to fly, I had this really young instructor, and uh, he really didn't have, in my opinion, the time to, the flying time yet that he should have been an instructor yet, in my opinion. He was just too young. So we're going up in the little Cessna, and he's going to show me how a stall works. And he's going up, he's going up, he's going up, and all of a sudden the plane starts nosediving, and he panicked because he didn't hear the alarm go off. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm new at this, but I know enough to know I don't have to listen for an alarm to go off to realize this thing's getting ready to stall. Yeah, well, it should be shuddering and things 
it was. Unfortunately, a Cessna is very forgiving in those things yes. if you just let it behave on its own. But if you panic, you might overcorrect and cause a bad situation. So yeah, yeah, no, it, it wasn't an issue. We got down is with everything no problem. in aviation. Yep. So you got to get a very experienced pilot. Yeah, and I, I did move on to a, a more experienced pilot because I'm old enough. I, I don't need a, a kid trying to uh, build his hours to tell me how to fly. Yes, well, good luck to you, and thanks Thank you. again. Thanks a lot, Rocky. You take care and have a good afternoon. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.